in this I Am series, um, we are going through it the entire month of July. It's a family series, and what we do about three times a year is we align up our kids and our teenagers and what we're doing right here in the sanctuary, and we all learn the same scripture. And so it gives you an opportunity to really talk with your family about it. I've gotten some awesome messages from some of you and the ways that you've interacted with your children with these I Am statements, and I'm loving that. Keep those coming. It's so great to see how you take the Word of God and you use it in your family and throughout the week. So as a church family, I've challenged us to memorize the I Am statements of Jesus. Um, I really believe that memorizing Scripture, putting it in our heart, um, is so important. It's so vital to our spiritual growth. Um, so we provided with you an I Am um, handout. looks like this. If you haven't gotten one, you can get it at the exits. And um, we're memorizing these Scriptures together. So I hope that you're working on that. There's a couple days left in July. Um, and we're going to just get these in our heart so we can pray them and live them and understand more of who God says he is. Um, also, uh, I know our kids have been memorizing these verses, so I want to show you a quick video, if you didn't get to see it online this past week, of our children. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but there will be light. I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever enters through me will be saved. I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me will never die. Good shepherd. The shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. Give those kids and all these kids a round of applause. So I want to encourage you, if they can do it, you can do it. Get those scriptures in your heart. Um, they're just so sweet to learning that, that scripture. So uh, the other thing we did with this series is we asked some artists in our um, faith community um, to make some art pieces that expressed the different I am statements, and they just, just did such a, an amazing job. And in fact, since this is the last day of the series, if you're interested in taking one of these home with you, um, you can come up at the end of service, and I'll tell you a little bit more about what we'd like to do with that. Um, three of these are painted by Bree Brusco, a Kyle Fuss staffer, just so talented. Um, Nicolette Gamble, our intern, took this awesome photo and blew it up, and Donna Stella made this cross in the back. So we're so thankful for their contribution to this series, and we know that these images are helping you uh, really digest the Word of God. And so the entire point of this series is we want you to connect with the great I Am, because the great I Am goes to great lengths to connect with you. 
And so that's what we're really working toward. And today is our last week of the I Am Statements. We're going to focus on the scripture in John 15, 1 through 8. And what I'd like you to do is just to highlight the theme of today so you can have a real strong takeaway. I'm going to pause in my reading and I want you to fill in the blank. Don't worry, I made it easy. It's the same word six times, okay? So if you miss it, just follow the person next to you. Are you ready? Uh, John 15, 1 through 8 reads this. I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. In me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it, in the vine. Neither can you unless you, in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they're burned. If you in me, and my words in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples." I titled this series, Abide, (laughs) because that is so much what God wants us to get out of these verses, in these eight verses. He says it so many times, over and over, so that we understand. And in this analogy, in this I am statement, I want you to see that Jesus is the vine, God is the gardener, and we are the branches. That Jesus is the vine, God is the gardener, and we are the branches. And he uses this word abide in in these short verses so many times, and he does that so we pay attention. Isn't it great how Jesus understands he's got to repeat us a a few things for us to get it, you know? He says, I'm going to tell you this over and over. It's like when I tell my kids, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget this, don't forget this. That is really important, whatever I'm telling them not to forget, because I'm telling them over and over. And so the word abide means this to follow, to hold to, to to stick to, to stand by, to act in accordance with. And Jesus says branches must abide with the vine. Now, what's really odd about this analogy, and if you were a gardener, or maybe you are even now, what you will understand in agriculture is branches don't have to try to abide in the vine. They don't have to like muster up all this effort. I'm going to I'm going to abide today. They just do. This is how they were created. This is how they exist. Their lifeline is the vine. If they detach from the vine, they die. And so the branches are always trying to attach to the vine. And the only way a branch becomes detached from the vine is if someone or something detaches it. We are strange branches. We are branches that are prone to wander. We are branches that leave the vine we love. We are branches that forget our lifeline. We forget what we are created to be and what we're created to do. And so we try and tend to stray on our own. For us, abiding is a discipline. For us, abiding is a choice. For us, when, we meet, when God says abide, that is sometimes all the effort that we have emotionally, physically, mentally to abide in Christ. It is very different than in agriculture where, where a branch is always connected to a vine. 
We are easily deceived into believing that we are the vine, not the branch. And I think that's what happens. We mix that up so easily, often unintentionally. We don't mean to be playing the role of God. We don't mean to be trying to be the source. But we often have our motives, our our expectations, our thoughts, and we get all mixed up. In fact, Satan's original deception to all of humanity was this. You will be like God. Don't you want to be like God? What? Don't, don't you want to be more like God? And so that is what our human nature always is trying to do. We're trying to be vines. We don't want to be branches. We don't want to bear, we want to bear our own fruit. We want to be in control of our lives. And so, so often we, we kind of slip into that action and those thoughts of trying to be the vine and not the branch. I think I have a picture of a vine and a branch, uh, kind of how it works in agriculture that's so interesting to me when I was taking a look at it. The vine it is the source of the branch. You see that? And then the branch bears the fruit. The, the source actually doesn't bear the fruit. It says, I'm going to let the branch bear the fruit. But if you don't have the vine, you don't have any of the fruit. And so the greatest enemy of us abiding is pride. The greatest enemy of us abiding is pride. And this, is, this ancient sin is, is a subtle yet powerful temptation because we struggle to believe what the scripture says, that apart from God, we can do nothing. In fact, most of our lives, we do everything we can do, and then when we get to the part we can't do is when we ask God to help us right? When we get to the part that we we need a little extra help, we need some more provision, we need some more resources, we need God to work in an environment that we can't control. But all of the things that we feel like we can control, we just operate as the vine. I'll just, you know, use my resources for what, and when when I run out, I'll ask God for more. But what I have, I'll control, or, or the relationships that God puts in my life. So, so I was asking myself this week, how can we honestly evaluate the level of which we're abiding in Jesus? Because it can look from the outside like we are, but how can we honestly evaluate it? And I really believe this, that one simple way to examine how much you are abiding is how you interact with God in secret is how you interact with God in secret. If someone followed you around in your home, at your work, in your car when you're by yourself, with your children, in the late hours of the weekend or, or on your, in your internet search pages, would they say that you were a Christ follower? In the parts of your life that that I will never know, that the person next to you will never know, the the parts of your life that only contain your dreams and hopes and thoughts about other people and about your future, would, if we saw it all, would they say you were a Christ follower? Would your life, when no one is watching, testify to abiding in Christ? I think another... um, indication is what is your prayer life like? Are you always asking things from God? Are you giving God the solution? If you would just do this, God, if you, I, I know what I need. I'm going to tell you. And if you would just work this out and if you would move this person out of this department, that job would open and then I could get it. I know if you can just work that out. Is that how you're praying? You know, it's interesting. The Christian life is an ongoing dialogue with a real person, and Jesus always has a lot to say, but he lets us set the pace of the conversation. 
And I believe that, that he will continue the conversation as long as we do, but when we stop, he often will stop and wait for us to bring the conversation back up. Have you stopped your conversation with God? Who starts your conversation every day? It's that age-old dating adage, who texts first? Who sends the first text? Are you pursuing God every morning, every day when you wake up, every moment? God, I need you. The Bible is so clear that one of the primary means of abiding in Jesus is prayer. Ephesians 6.18 says, pray at all times in the Spirit. Colossians 4.2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer. And you know why prayer is important? Not, not only is it just our connection, it's, our, it's the way we abide, but prayer undermines pride. Prayer undermines pride, and pride is what keeps us from abiding. Because prayer requires profound humility. Asking God for help requires humility. Prayer is this posture of, of a dependent child. It's saying, I'm not the vine, I'm the branch, so here's the deal. I need the vine to survive. God, God, thank you for a new day, but there's no way I can get through this without you. I need your help. And understanding that utter and complete dependence that we have on our creator, that is what prayer does. And prayer undermines pride. It puts us in a position that we can do nothing without him, which is exactly the position that God asks us to be. It's interesting because the productivity of prayer can't be quantified. Sometimes people think praying is a waste of time because God answers prayers sometimes the first time you ask, and sometimes you have, to, you have to go to the throne about it over and over and over, and it may feel like a waste of time. It's humbling. Sometimes I believe God is teaching us that, that he's good all the time, and sometimes you need to go before him over and over and over because you need to remember you need him. You need him today, you need him tomorrow, you need him next week. And if he just kept saying, okay, here's all the things you need right here, we might forget that we need him. We, we may feel like that pride in even when I pray, God does what I say. Prayer puts us in this position where we need something. It forces us to trust God. It forces us to give up our self-sufficiency and our pride. And it forces us to put our future, our destiny, our hopes, our struggles in someone bigger and greater than ourselves. Jesus is the vine. God is the gardener. We are the branches. When we get that mixed up, we are not abiding in Christ. Now, there are blessings when we abide. There are blessings when we remember we're the branch, not the vine. And the primary blessing is shown in this scripture and what we read today. And the primary blessing is fruitfulness, is fruit. Now, John 15, 5 says, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about? What is the fruit? What, it, what is the thing that, that he is referring to here? Because it's a little bit, um, you know, strange. It's a little bit of a, it's an analogy that we have to sort of put into context because it's not actual literal fruit. But we find in Galatians 5 this same kind of analogy that's coming up, and it's a list of the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm sure you might have even sang this song as a child or you're teaching it to your children, uh, but the fruit of the Spirit isn't a coconut. That's actually a kid's song that we listen to a lot in our van. Uh, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so what this passage is saying is when we are abiding in Christ, we are loving people like he loves them. We are full of peace when the world is falling apart around us. That we are kind in circumstances that would not warrant kindness. That we are gentle of heart. That we have self-control in our actions and in our thoughts. That we experience joy that is deeper than any season or happenstance or passing emotion. This is what living life, abiding in Christ, looks like. And the more you are abiding, the more fruitful you are. So, if you are looking for more self-control... Perhaps you have designated yourself as the vine and not the branch in that particular temptation. Perhaps you have decided that if you just muster up enough willpower in yourself, you will be able to have more self-control. I want to tell you that abiding in Jesus is much more productive than trying to wake up every morning getting the strength that you need to face every temptation in this world. Maybe... If you are struggling with peace and anxiety and having just worry, maybe you're trying to be the vine and you're trying to fix your life or fix someone else's problem on your own. And right in this moment, Jesus in his gentle, just sweet spirit is reminding you that he is the vine. So stop that. Stop that. Stop trying to figure that out on your own. Stop trying to solve an impossible situation or change someone's attitude or feelings about you because he is the vine and you are the branch. And when you put yourself in the right position, the fruit that you will bear is peace and love and joy and goodness and faithfulness and the more fruitful you will become. So it is safe to say that the harder you lean into Jesus, the more goodness you will yield the more faithfulness you will show. And so that's why we talk a lot here uh, at Erie First about life change because you cannot be leaning harder into Jesus and nothing changing about who you are. That the scripture says it. It says that you will become more fruitful when you abide more. And so if there's something that's been stuck in your life for a long time, you need to make sure that you are not saying that you're the vine in that situation, that you are just the branch, and that as you abide more, the Holy Spirit will grow fruit in that area of your life. When you repent and you give up and you say, I, I, I'm going to quit trying to love this difficult person on my own, you can finally get your strength from the vine and start loving that person out of Jesus' strength and not yours. God wants us to be fruitful beyond our wildest expectations. That's what his desire for us in our life here on earth. And so we need to be growing more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more good, more gentle, more self-control, more patient. If you have not seen that fruit in your life, there's something wrong with the abiding that you're doing. That's just simple what the scripture says. The scripture warns us of what will happen to branches that don't bear fruit. I want to look at John 15, 6. It says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and they throw them into the fire, and they are burned. So what this is saying is that there will be branches who don't bear fruit. 
There will be people who, who are not connected to Christ. There will even be people who hang out with others who are connected to Christ, but they themselves are not connected. And if they are not producing fruit, then they are not connected, which means they do not have salvation. Now, salvation is a moment when you decide to be a Christ follower. It's a moment when you confess your sin, that you've offended God. It's that moment when you realize that you are not the branch, or you are not the vine, that you are the branch, that, that your greatest, even in your greatest days, on your greatest strengths, that you will still fall short. And it's a moment where you declare that you believe in Jesus, that he died on a cross for you, that his blood was shed, that, that it covered your sin, and even though you deserve judgment that you don't, and you don't deserve heaven, that Jesus bore your sin and took your shame, and because of that, you can go to heaven with God forever. That is what a moment of salvation is. It's this moment where it all comes together. Who you are created to be all of a sudden makes sense, and you are now a branch connected to a vine, and because of that, you can go to heaven and live forever, and you have a fullness and an abundance of life here on earth. Now, I want to tell you, you may have been coming to church for a very long time and never had a moment of salvation. You may have been um, listening to worship music or, or listening to sermons or listening to things on TV for many, many years, and you may not be connected to the vine. It's none of those things that get, it, get us there. It's this moment of salvation where you confess that you fall short, but the great I am never fails. And the scripture says, it's very clear, that some people have a temporary response to the gospel. Some people have a temporary decision, maybe in an emotional moment, but that is not salvation. The gospel asks for a permanent response. The gospel asks for a life-changing, permanent response. And I've heard it said this way, no fruit, no root. No fruit, no root. And what it means by that is this. If your life isn't producing fruit, then your root isn't in Christ. And as a believer in Jesus, I never want any one of you, any one person to get to the finish line of your life, like the scripture says will happen, and say, yeah, I knew Jesus. And Jesus say, I never knew you. In the scripture, that's what it says is going to happen. Because some of us have a temporary response to the gospel. It's a temporary decision. It's an emotional moment. But it is never a full trust in who Jesus is. It's never a permanent response. And it, you never actually produce the fruit of the spirit in your life. And I don't want you to be a branch that is withered and thrown into the fire. In fact, that is why I get up and do my job every single day. Because my heart is that every person that would hear the word of God would understand that Jesus died for them and forever they can live in heaven with him and there doesn't need to be that that judgment can be taken by Jesus Christ that is why all of us all of us staff do this every single week because I want you to hear and understand that the scripture says that if you do not have fruit in your life then you are not rooted in Christ does your life reflect Jesus all of your life not just parts not just the outside part not just the part that you put on your good shirt for Sunday but the secret parts of your life It's a hard question and I'm not here to judge you on that 
That's between you and the Lord. And that's why I say the secret parts of your life are the only thing that you can evaluate. But I want to challenge you to evaluate it. And perhaps you will say, you know what? I don't know if I've ever made a permanent life-changing decision to follow Jesus because I don't see that fruit in my life. I don't see that root. And I pray that in that moment, you will say, God, I want that permanent response. I want that change in Jesus' name and that you would root yourself in the vine and stop trying to be the vine and that you will be saved in that moment and then you will begin to bear fruit in your life. I want to challenge you that when you love God, you love the things he loves. You love the people he loves, you love the places he loves, you love the things he loves. And so that is a great gauge and a great temperature of where you are, how much you're abiding in Jesus. Now we see one more concept in this passage today. It comes from John 15, 2. And it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. So it's that word, prunes or pruning. Now, what pruning is, if you're a gardener, if you've ever done any, any garden work, pruning is cutting away dead or overgrown stems or branches. It's probably not the most glamorous part of gardening. It, it, it is, is the, the part that you do because you know that if you don't do that, it will overgrow with the dead stuff and then you won't get the fruit that you need. But it's to increase fruitfulness and to increase growth. And the scripture says that every branch, which is us, gets pruned. Did you see that? Every branch gets pruned. Everyone. Every branch gets pruned. We get pruned in order to have more good in our lives. And sometimes things have to go in order to get us in the right position to be more fruitful. And since the purpose of the branch is to bear fruit then pruning will naturally come. In fact, the more fruit you bear, the more pruning that will come. And pruning should be welcomed. We should ask for pruning. We should eagerly expect it and welcome it. God, we want you to cut away the dead parts of our lives. Show us where we're not aligning with you. Show me where I'm not quite understanding because once we prune, We can bear more fruit, which is the whole goal and the whole purpose and the whole showing for our salvation. Now, the problem is pruning can hurt. It can be painful. We talked about this a little bit a few weeks ago in the sermon on I am the good shepherd. And and the question where we really have to wrestle to to the ground, do we believe that God is good in the pruning? Do we believe that God is good in the trial? Do we believe that God is good in the storm? Because when pruning happens, we have to answer this question for ourselves. But if you are abiding, if you are connected to the vine, and you are not trying to be the vine, then God will prune. He will. That's what he says in the scripture. He will confront sin in your life. He will expose and cut away the things that that are in the way of greater fruitfulness. And he will do it all for your good. So, So you need to question As you make a decision of salvation, as you make a decision to be a branch and not the vine, are you willing to be pruned by God? Do you trust him enough to cut away the dead parts? Do you trust him enough to expose to you the the attitudes and the things that are keeping you from flowing more and from being more fruitful? What might God be pruning in your life right now? 
I often think, if you can't identify it, think about where your pain is. What, what part of your life is frustrating? What part of your life hurts right now? And you can trace that line right back to God's purposes. Is that in that pruning, that could be where he's pruning. That could be your own, your own dumb decisions too, but you know. It also could be where God is pruning. Because he is saying, I want to increase your, your fruitfulness. I love you so much. I want to increase your fruitfulness. And when pruning happens, I believe we have to really trust the author for the end of the story. And I think that's where we often get stuck, is we get stuck in the middle of the story. We get stuck trying to be a vine to write the story. And what God is saying over and over is, remember, you're the branch. You are the branch. You don't know the whole story. Don't stop in the middle of the story. You know, I've thought of different scripture stories that we would have never seen if we stopped in the middle. If you stop reading the account of Joseph where he got sold to slavery by his brothers and he was imprisoned, if you just stopped there, you would miss the ending where he offers forgiveness to his brothers and God brings this good plan and he saves the whole uh, place from drought and from, fam from famine. You would never see the goodness of God in that if you stopped reading when he got sold into slavery. Or if you don't finish reading the book of Job, you don't know that God's kindness and care brings complete restoration to all the things that Job lost. If you stop reading after Good Friday, you never get to Resurrection Sunday. But Resurrection Sunday happened. We aren't just left with a terrible Friday and a silent Saturday. Resurrection Sunday happened, and our hope for today and for tomorrow and for the trial and for the pruning, that, the, that right now seems endless, was nailed to the cross and rose again, and that happened. And so we cannot stop in the middle of the story. The valleys of life are low. There is no doubt. When pruning happens, it can be so trying. It can be so difficult. But those valleys are filled deep with grace and deep with the favor of God. And pruning helps us see the character of God in ways that we could never experience it if everything is going fine. And you may not uh, be able to see how pruning affects your fruitfulness until you get to the end of the story. But we can be confident in the true vine, and we can be confident that he knows what he's doing, and we can trust him, and we can pray and lean into him, because the harder we lean into him and trust him for our fruitfulness, the more fruitful we'll be. And, and I'm going to end with this, John 15, 8. The worship team's going to come. We're going to end with one song. But John 15, 8 says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Okay, so what that is saying is this. How is the Father glorified when we do what? Bear fruit. Say it, say it a little bit louder. All right, we bear fruit. So our whole goal as disciples is to glorify the Father. Therefore, fruit is vital. And so if pruning produces more fruit... Then, and, and more fruit is what glorifies the Father, then we need to, with great expectation, say, God, more pruning so I can have more fruit. Change me. Cut away what's getting in the way. I want to glorify you. I want to honor you. 
And that is our prayer today, that Jesus is the vine, God is the gardener, we are the branches, and we invite whatever God needs to do to make us more joyful, more loving, more peaceful, more kind, more gentle, and have more self-control. God, we want more fruit, and therefore we, we will receive the pruning however you see fit because we know we can trust you, and we'll lean into you and say, we aren't the vine, We're, we are the branch, and we are happy branches Happy to be branches. Because thank goodness it isn't up to me to control everything in my life. I would mess it up every single day. How many of you are with me on that? I can't see the whole thing. But God, you see it all and you know it all and you do it all and you are the great I am. Would you stand with me? We're gonna just declare this song. We, we've been singing it through this whole series. It's called The Great I Am. It's actually called I Am, but it's talking about the great I am. And we're just declaring, God, you hold on to us. God, that, that we want to abide in you. Would you just even repent as we sing the song and say, God, I don't want to be the vine anymore. I don't want to act like the vine with my family. I don't want to act like the vine with my situation or my circumstance. I don't want to act like the vine with my spouse. God, I'm the branch. Would you do what you want with me, God, because I know I can trust you. You are I am. God, you hold on to us in every moment, Lord. We love you so much. Thank you for revealing yourself to us in this series. Thank you for helping us understand just who you are and how much you love us. God, we trust you and we love you today. In Jesus' name we pray.
storm, anything that comes our way. We thank you for what we've learned over these last five weeks. And I pray that these roots go down deep into our hearts and into our souls, and that you continue to work in the way that you do. We praise you and love you for what you've done in this place this morning. I pray blessings and encouragement over every person in this room. May we go in the peace of Christ. Amen, amen. Have a blessed week, all right? See you next week.